Hey Adultish Fam! You ever come across a lyric or a beat in a song that makes you super appreciate it and hear it in a new awesome way? Then you gotta check out Switched on Pop from the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's one of my personal favorite shows, and it's about the making and meaning of pop music. Every week, musicologist Nate Sloan and songwriter Charlie Harding break down the pop hits to show how the music works and why it really matters. From the murder ballad of Joe Exotic to the fierce vocals of Doja Cat, the hosts pull back the curtain on music production to reveal the theories and techniques that keep these songs popping. So be sure to subscribe and listen to Switched on Pop wherever you get your podcasts. And don't blame us if you get those songs stuck in your head because they got me with that Dua Lipa's Don't Start Now. (laughs) Oh, that was pretty good, actually. Thanks. For me, when I listen to any type of news, I want to hear it from people who really understand the experiences of those that they speak or write about. That's what we try to do on Adultish. So that's why I'm so excited about a new show called A Better Life. It's a podcast about immigrants and how they're being affected by COVID-19. At A Better Life, the host and virtually all the reporters are immigrants or the children of immigrants, like ya girl. You'll also hear from immigrant elders like grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, to hear how they're coping during the pandemic and what they've learned over the years that can help the rest of us survive today's challenges. A Better Life introduces you to people and places that you may have never encountered any other way. It's the kind of stories that you want to hear nowadays. So listen wherever you get your podcasts. So Merck, I don't know about you, but my friends are always like, yo, like I love the show, but it's just one thing I want to hear more of. You know what that is? Uh, my wit or my lovely voice. Yeah, yeah, nah, none of that. But um, oh. <laughs> it was more, it's more along the lines of like, yo, we get it. Y'all are out there living your best lives, out there moving and shaking in the world. Mm. But yo, let's hear some of that stare out the window while the rain drips down talk that is <laughs> always teasing. Let's hear that lonely by myself talk. Yeah, for reals, some of y'all have hit us up about this, especially nowadays with lots of us kicking it by ourselves because of COVID-19. So you know what? We're going to do that with this episode called Ride-In Solo featuring not Jason Derulo because he's too busy (laughs) dancing on TikTok, but we love his song. Uh, We do not love his song, so chill out. But yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I love his song. You're listening to Adult-ish produced by YR Media. I'm Merck. And I'm Naj. When you think of the solo life, what first pops into your mind? That the Green Day song, the Green Day lyric where Billy Joel is like, I walk this lonely road. Because hey. even, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the boy Billy, Bay Area's finest. Billy Joel. <laughs> I wonder if anyone calls him BJ. Anyway, because. <laughs> See. See. Because <laughs> what? We were doing so well. This is what people come to the show for. Um, The reason why that lyric pops into my mind is because even though we're all in this adulting journey together, it's something very individual. Everyone has their own unique struggles uh, and it could be really isolating. What about you? When I think about being alone, I think about a lot of learning and a lot of like healthy growth. Like when I'm all alone or I'm by myself, like I got to tap into like 
like, dang, Naj, how is your mental health? And sometimes I don't be feeling all that all the time. So, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I want to ignore it's it. Something definitely I always like tuning into. So I think I'm pretty different than you. It's just like not all the time. But anyway, clearly Merck <laughs> and I don't define riding solo in the same way. Uh, your definition might be different, too. And we're going to get into that with our guest today. So later in the episode, you'll hear a short story from our new friend, Juan Mireles Palomar, who's part of a special election project between YR Media and WNYC's Radio Rookies. And after that, I chat with him about how getting DACA lets him ride solo, but also how all of that is really uncertain with the current political climate. But first, we're going to bring on comedian and writer Lane Moore about living life solo, how to appreciate yourself, by yourself, for yourself. For me personally, I know like when I'm alone for a long time, like those thoughts and feelings of loneliness can arise and kind of take me to a, a pretty dark place where I'm feeling real, real Drakey. Ooh, Drakey. Okay, <laughs> Audrey, when was your last Drake moment? Aubrey. Aubrey. But, um, <laughs> my last really, Drake moment. Um, I mean, it's been a lot of Drake moments in quarantine, like just staring at these walls like, Feel like just you know start thinking stuff and then they start slowly turning the into thoughts and then and then they arrive at drake lyrics oh okay <laughs> well luckily we've got with us writer actor musician and comedian lane moore to help us figure our stuff out she wrote a book called how to be alone if you want to and even if you don't which is very fitting for many of us these days she's also the creator of a comedy show called tinder live a show aimed to better our lives right that's true that's actually very very true that is how i view <laughs> the art that i make i'm here to better your life everyone's life um the second that i got on tinder i was like this would make an amazing comedy show mm. um it would be you know and so what we do is um and we i always say we like there's like 40 people it's my <laughs> me, show it's, it's me. me it's my show um what i do is i project my tinder screen onto a, a, a big projector so that everybody can see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Tinder and um, the audience votes right or left about who I should what? swipe on. And so it's very interactive. Like the audience chooses, I like to say they choose my sexual destiny. It's like choose your own adventure <laughs> with my vagina. It's like that. <laughs> and then oh um, we go through the profiles live. Me and the audience is what I mean by we. Um, yeah. uh-huh. And I have, you know, comedians, writers, Broadway stars, uh, musicians, all these people um, on a panel with me. I've had the cast of Orange is New Black. I've had David Cross, Janine Garofalo. Jeez. Like, um, but, uh, and they help me analyze the profiles. Like, oh, what's this guy's thing? And it's very, very good natured. And we really only go after, you know, go after quote unquote. But like, we really only talk to just like the weirdest dudes. Like I, the example Ooh. I always use is a white guy with cornrows whose name is Amen. Like that's what you talk to. Oh, homeboy. So let's talk about your book now. Yes. It's a collection of essays from your personal life, right? Yes, very, and very personal. I definitely can't do it justice right now, like with the time that we have. But um, what are some big things that you would want people to know about the book if they haven't read it? God, so many things. I think that as a world right now, we're lonelier than we've ever been. Um, we're not connecting the way that the ways that we want to. We're always on social media. We always have like, you know, mm-hmm. it always looks like we're having this wonderful time. But literally everyone I know, even the most famous internet people I know are like, I'm so lonely and so sad and mm-hmm. I have no one and nothing and this feels awful. Um, so I wanted to write a book about, you know, from my perspective of my story of, you know, I raised myself. I didn't have a really great family situation or really any classic traditional 
ideal family situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's really impacted how I've been able to connect with people in terms of making friends and even in jobs and, you know, relationships and things like that. And so I really believe that so much of the ways that we connect or don't connect comes back to what we grew up with. So once I started realizing whoa, like (laughs) I am attracting friends who are like this family member and I'm only dating people who are like this family member. Like this just blew everything in my mind wide open and just, you know, but really I would say the, that's the, that's the number one. The number two is I really wanted to create a book that made people feel really seen and loved. And even if you truly feel like you have no one, this book will be able to be with you. This book will act as a friend. And the audiobook as well is designed mm. to make it so that like I'm telling you stories for seven hours. And, and singing. And singing. And I singing. sing on it. And um, yeah. Yeah. So our first question is about heartbreak because it's a big theme in your book. It's a universal feeling that doesn't always necessarily stem from romantic places, but it's a bummer regardless. So we wanted your expertise on moving on from crappy people who wronged you in your life or even your own negative mindset. I mean, part of it is, you know, once you have that component and again, it takes time. And there, there are, there are, <laughs> there is a lot of a lot of assistance in how to be alone for for how to do this. But I'll try to, you know, summarize it as best I can. Um, you know, in 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 becoming your own best friend, um, you can you you've like created a tool to help you through that. So you think about like the advice that you would give a friend who was going mm-hmm. in your in who was in your position and. You know, so much of the time, I think so many podcasts I've done and especially ones that are like call in and you hear people asking these questions and it's just like you want to turn to that person and just be like, what? Why would you even put up with that person? This person is so clearly like, crappy. Yeah. But then I realized that like I've done this. I've done this so many times where I've been dating this just like human garbage pile <laughs> and couldn't get out of it. And you have to peel that onion of like, you know, so much of how to be alone talks about oh, like, the bigger problem is not, like, why can't you leave this? You know, like, why can't you just get this done? Like, because I bet, like, the, the shitty people that you're attracting are probably, like, your parents or your sister or that person who, like, really screwed you up mm. as a kid. Like, this is just what our brains do. Mm-hmm. So I think you really can't just, like, I could give you the dumbass advice that, like, most people would give you. Just, like, be strong. Move on, girl. That advice is bullshit. <laughs> I'm so bored by that. Like, she's not about being strong. It's like finding fundamental truths of like what's underneath all of this and like how do you value yourself or not value yourself? Like, mm-hmm. it's not doing anybody any good to just say some surface level bullshit. I hate like most advice. It's just so boring. <laughs> like, it was just like, find your own strength. Like, shut up. What does that even mean? Ugh. Go cut an onion. You know what I love? I feel this emerging metaphor is like, Life should be like cutting an onion. You got to get through the layers and cry a frick ton and make some good food with it. Food that you want to eat. Feeding yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Love that. Just really deep with that. Feed yourself with your own tear filled food. That is something that I actually put into practice. So you're welcome. You need salt when you have tears. It's so true. I use, yeah, that's my liquid. When they're like, do you have a broth? I'm like, I can make a broth. Just make a broth of your own tears. Salt, probably some vitamins, a little bit of mascara. You're welcome. That was just a bonus recipe for the listeners. Right. Just a bonus soup recipe. <laughs> you can you're find welcome. it on Pinterest. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us can get all in our heads and just get caught up in our thoughts. And I think that's a good thing when it's about positive stuff. But then when it's about negative things, it's, it kind of can get out of hand. Um, it's so just what's a loop, something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what are like some actual things that you can do to break yourself out of these bad thinking habits? 
Oh, gosh, for sure. Some of it is just practice because I can be so hard on myself when I can't break out of that and I'm in some loop and like what's real and what's not and what's this mental illness mm-hmm. versus what's actually real. And that is friggin' exhausting. Mm. Honestly, you know, for me, a big theme uh, in How to Be Alone is that like I found this magical dog and I really do believe in like the power of animals, especially if like people haven't been that great to you and people mm-hmm. can often not be that great. But Having her, like, she will just sit on the couch with me and, like, I'll be, you know, stuck in those loops and doing that horrible thing where you switch back and forth between, like, Twitter and Instagram oh. and Twitter and Instagram and you're no, like, when am I going to feel better? Oh. And it's like, never, not it's that way. That's not going to get, you know, but I'll just be going back and forth between the two. <laughs> and then I'll just look at her and she just looks at me with this knowing smile of, like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, darling. I don't yeah. know. How to be yeah. alone, get a dog. I mean. Or a cat. Or a cat, whatever, or man. There's a lot of there's a lot of animals that need homes. If you're in a place where that's something that you can, you know, physically, emotionally, financially do, man, I really think. And again, it can be a person too. It can be mm-hmm. someone who checks in on you. It can be a freaking app that checks in on you. But just <laughs> having someone to kind of like having backup. I yeah, think that's what it is. Right. I think something really interesting that you brought out was um, when you said like, what's this mental illness and what's actually real. Um, I think it's really, I think that's like a really important, even if you don't have like a mental illness or anything like that, you can get caught up in what's like your own paranoia and like your own thinking and like what's real life. Your own Um, patterns and totally. Yeah. I think that all the time where it's like someone will tell me like, oh, well, this is true. And I'm like, I don't know if that is true. Maybe it's true. I'm too tired. And then I go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) How do you really organize those, organize those thoughts? I don't know. I just try to observe them. That's mm. really it. You know, um, I've done a lot of meditation stuff and I, I think that that's Snaps. something that, yeah. I started doing that recently and it's helped out so that's much. It. Yeah, mm. I think that's it. Just kind of observe them and, 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 you know, trying not to react to them, trying to see, you know, and kind of doing some corrective thinking in there is something I yeah. do a lot. And it's, it's exhausting because again, it's just, you're just like, can I just like live my life <laughs> and not have to like <laughs> constantly like rewire my brain? Let but for so many of us like we have a lot of programs in there I mean even if you want to get deeper it's like so many of us have like sexist racist homophobic programming that's Mm -hmm. not our own and we have to constantly reprogram it and that's Mm -hmm. okay that's good that's what that's what being a good person is yeah I mean it can definitely be a process but it's absolutely necessary to do the work within ourselves and with that said you wrote a letter from your future self to your past self in one of your chapters called Happy holidays, except you, you lonely weirdo. Actually, would you mind reading some parts of that letter? Totally, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. I guess whichever part of the letter, like, really speaks to you right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll start with this. Um, So this is just part part of the letter. Yes, it's totally normal if you get depressed before the holidays start. I usually get depressed like four days for pretty much every holiday, except Halloween. I love Halloween. It's my favorite. I do too. It's the best. And I always feel like, what the fuck? Why am I sad? It's not even the day yet. And then I quickly realize, oh, this holiday is coming up and this is a hard day for me and my body knows it and is trying to prepare. Thanks, body, I guess. More than anything, I want you to know that I care about you because I know you. Not despite the fact that I know you, but because I know you. Like, I know that you sometimes lie to people and tell them you have huge plans when your plans are to try to not get overwhelmed with the burden of your sadness and the reflection of everyone else's socially normal happiness. And I forgive you for that lie because I know why you told it. So forgive yourself for it, too. Last, you know when people say, take care, and you're like, what the fuck do you even mean? Well, (laughs) take care. Take care of the part of you that wishes you had a normal family so badly it kills you. 
Take care of the part of you that will never understand why your family was the way they were or is the way they are or is no longer around at all. Take care of the part of you that feels other throughout the holiday season. And more than anything, feel proud of yourself because you didn't let being other kill you. You're still here and one day maybe you'll have a family of your own and you'll love the holidays. Or maybe you'll never like this time of year. Either way, you'll still be here living. And sometimes that's the bravest thing of all. And if you don't believe me, it's a line in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And as I and I both know, that show is everything. (laughs) I think the coolest part is like how you just always blend it back to just like you're having a regular conversation with everybody. Like it's not just like it's (laughs) not just like advice, advice, advice. It's just like always like, okay, quick break. (laughs) And then you just talk to people like that. Yeah, because it's that's I mean, I I think that I I often joke that, like, How to Be Alone is, like, a self-help book for people who hate self-help books. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's, like, there is a lot of self-helpy stuff, but it also is meant to be a book that's really funny and feels like you're talking to a friend. And that's the type of writing I really love. Yeah, no, it's it's super cool. We we love it, too. Thank you. Well, Lane, thank you so much for helping us out a ton. Giving us your insight and everything. All the things. Yeah, Yeah. all All the things. We talked about all the things. All the things. (laughs) As I foretold. Yes, we want so much more of you. <laughs> I would, you know what? I, You have a friend in me for life. You like Halloween. You love puns. I am at home here in a way you don't even know. Hey. <laughs> Every time someone doesn't make a pun about my last name, I'm like, you're lazy. They're, right not, there. they're not living in the fast Changing lane. Changing lanes. Oh, see? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Oh, get it, get it. Money. Yeah. Oh, shake it, shake it, shake it. Yeah. Oh, I'm dancing right now. Hey. <laughs> Oh, this is truly a heaven. <laughs> be sure to get a copy of Lane's book, How to Be Alone to Keep You Company, or follow her on Insta and Twitter at Hello Lane Moore. Hey, Merck. Yes, Nige? What kind of rules have you broken growing up? Me breaking rules? You know I'm an angel. I don't break rules. That's nonsense. That's 100% <laughs> cap. No, okay, so in sixth grade, I threw a banana at my crush at lunchtime. <laughs> and For what? Um, Because I, I, I liked him, and I guess that's how I showed my attraction. To this person mm, how how romantic very romantic <laughs> then i got in trouble by my teacher then i started crying and then the teacher started crying so <laughs> i cried my way out of it <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i can't blame you because i've cried my way out of uh, a fair enough situation so i see it. it's a it's a valid excuse what about you though what kind of rules have you broken um so basically i got mad that this girl got me in trouble she like made a little snarky remark and i locked her in the closet for all of recess in the sixth grade so yeah and i got i got detention for a very long time because of that wow (laughs) well if y'all think that's fun our friends at the mortified podcast are making a new series that's all about the moments people broke the rules growing up and what those moments can teach us and the best part it's called Ooh, you're in trouble. And you can be on it if you're under 25 and have a story about stirring up mischief back in the day, whether that's something sus like cheating on a test or (laughs) something courageous like breaking dress code in the name of justice. Pitch a story at getmortified.com slash trouble. That's getmortified.com slash trouble. Help make some trouble. The good kind of trouble. 
All right, y'all. The story you're about to hear comes from Juan Mirles Palomar. He's a young reporter from an election project between YR Media and WNYC's Radio Rookies. And this collab is called 18 to 29 Now, Young America Speaks Up. It brings together people from across the country, age 18 to 29, to document their lives and what's at stake for them in 2020. In Juan's case, it's his literal livelihood that's on the line. Merck's going to have a conversation about his journey straddling legal status and his uncertain future in the U.S. But first, here's his story. Take it away, Juan. How's mom? She's doing good. I went to her house the other day. Have you talked to her? Yeah, she, she this is my older sister, Eva. She's someone I have always looked up to because she's a badass, she's resilient, like her favorite Powerpuff girl, Buttercup, the green one. Oh, I miss Sophie. She's so cute. When we were little, Eva and I would jump around all day on our trampoline until the sun came down. Our go-to ice cream flavor is Rocky Road, and we both love Rihanna. In many ways, we were the same, except for our legal status, which divided us. I was undocumented while she had DACA, which protects you from deportation. It's the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, so she had access to opportunities that I didn't. In high school, the majority of my friends were already working and getting their driver's licenses. But because of my legal status, I couldn't. My sister Eva could though. She was older and had first dibs when it came to obtaining documentation. My parents paid for her to apply for DACA but they couldn't afford to pay for both of us at the same time. It made all of the difference having DACA. You know, having that now meant that I can go and pursue my dreams, go to college, get a job, earn money for myself, make myself an independent person. That just meant everything. It was a life changer, you know? That's what I wanted too. But during my junior year of high school, my dad was unexpectedly deported back to Mexico. And without my dad around, My mom's job at a flower nursery wasn't enough to cover the bills and pay for my DACA application of $495. The only other option in Stockton, California was to go work in the fields. So during my senior year, I got a job in a fruit packaging warehouse and I got paid under the table like most undocumented field workers. Every day after school, I rush over to this big, stuffy warehouse and I stand in the same spot for about six hours straight, just right below this conveyor belt that would drop the cherries into a funnel, then into plastic bags. Next, I would put 16 of these bags into a larger box, and I would ultimately be responsible for 60 to 70 boxes each night. I'm always exhausted, and I think to myself, why is this my only option? Why can't I just have a regular job like my friends? Or Eva? And can this damn machine slow down? This was my routine my entire senior year. School, work, homework, miss my dad, and repeat. My goal was to save up for my DACA application, but the reality is most of the money went to helping around the house. And to be honest, I really needed some new shoes. So as my senior year was coming to an end, I became more scared I would have to put off college. But then on my last day of high school, my teachers handed me a card. As I was leaving school, I opened it. And once I read what was inside, I immediately began to cry. Here's the note I got. It says, sometimes the American dream comes true with a little help. 
Never stop dreaming from those who believe in you. As a graduation gift, my teachers pooled money together to pay the full amount of my DACA application. I ran back to every one of my teachers and I thanked them all. I turned in my application soon after, just before Trump's election. It would take nearly a year until I finally received my official employment authorization card. I finally had temporary legal status. I immediately applied for a job, opened a bank account, got my driver's license, and moved out of my mom's house in Stockton to San Francisco. I wanted to take full advantage of the opportunities I now had, or at least temporarily had. So I got a job at a fashion boutique store, I bought my own bed, and I bought my own furniture. I was finally adulting all on my own. On the other hand, my sister, she let her DACA expire. She didn't want to continue paying the money, and we ended up on opposite paths again. Now I'm looking at it like, you're so dumb, you should have just paid the $500. And it was so hard for me after that. I struggled more without it than I would have struggled without those $500 at the time. She had to move back home and lost some of the independence that I admired in her. I got a taste of what my sister went through once the coronavirus pandemic hit. I was starting to feel comfortable in my new adult life when the California governor ordered the closure of non-essential businesses. Clearly, that meant my job at the boutique would close and I was furloughed. The idea of losing my job scared me. Then I learned I would be eligible for unemployment benefits through the state of California, something my sister Eva can't access because of her current status. Luckily, my work didn't get shut down. I know that a lot of other jobs did, a lot of other uh, restaurants did. Yeah, my hours have gotten cut about five to six hours per week. And now like I need, I need as much hours as I can because I just moved out. But yeah, this thing has cut back on my hours coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I totally feel that. I mean, I've, I've been completely cut of my hours. I know. You, got, you lost your job. Like, it's crazy. This lockdown is more than a matter of health for families like ours. It's about whether we'll have food or a roof over our heads. If you are undocumented, you don't qualify for the Federal CARES Act, which provides economic assistance for U.S. citizens. But in April, Governor Newsom announced his plan to get $75 million in statewide funds for immigrant families impacted by COVID-19. However, it's not clear if my family will get any of that, because it's distributed on a first-come, first-served basis, and only 150,000 immigrants are expected to benefit. And there are over 2 million undocumented immigrants in California. So yeah, you do the math. The truth is, even if both of us had DACA, my sister Eva and I are still both in limbo. This program for young immigrants like us has been debated in Congress and threats to end it are ongoing, with the Supreme Court planning to announce its fate very soon. For now, my sister and I have each other's back no matter what, even though we still can't decide on which Rihanna song is best. Alright Juan, thanks for being here today and for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be able to tell everybody my story. Yay! Alright, so first question, what kind of fashion boutique do you work at? So it's a really small business. It's pretty up and coming. So it's uh, family run, which is really cool, with the environment in mind. 
You got to make Mother Nature happy right. while looking good. Exactly. But I got to know, like, what is it that I could buy there? Like a long flowy dress for the summer or... I think we're getting in some cute, like, paper bag shorts that I love a lot. Like with the, like, drawstring. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so, super cute. And we have dresses with all sorts of floral print and all sorts of, um, you know, designs and stuff. Oh, you know, I love floral print. You can see in the Zoom call, I'm totally rocking floral right now. I know. It's so cute. I feel like you would love the clothing that's in our store. Yes. So have they called you back into work yet at the Fashion Boutique since all of this has happened? Uh, yeah, they have. They've called me in starting um, in about a week or two. Mm. So I'll be heading back soon, finally, after this very long vacation. Yeah, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling about going back in? Still a little nervous because of, you know, COVID still going around. Mm -hmm. But my job has been doing a good job of putting enacting, you know, good safety measures mm -hmm. to make sure that we're all safe. So I think I'll be fine. Okay. So speaking of safety, it sounds like your teachers created a safe space for you by helping you get the money for your DACA application because they knew of your status. But what about your peers and your friends? Did you tell them or did they just find out? Um, so most of my close friends, they knew since the beginning. Some, however, only found out when I had my like end of the year senior project. Mm. And my senior project was a slam poem that I slammed in front of, yeah, in front of like my almost my entire senior class. Oh my gosh. And the slam poem was about um, the idea of the American dream and how it's inachievable for many people like myself. Mm. You know, talked about um, what it's like to be undocumented. And at the time, seeing Trump's rise to, you know, the Republican nomination um, and seeing that and then sort of projecting that out towards them. Um, some of them didn't know. And some of them later on came up to me and said, how can I learn more about what it's like to be undocumented and how to help undocumented people? Can you give us a little taste of what the poem was like? Like, what's your favorite slam line? from it. I don't know if I'm saying Ooh, that right. I can pull it up if you don't mind like wait, waiting a little bit. Oh yeah, bit. we can I edit can out that it out. looking for it in your phone. Drink. My favorite line would have to be this line that um, was in the beginning of the poem. It says, you won't always have your dad by your side to show him the accomplishments you make. You'll just have to imagine your dad's face when you show him your high school diploma or show him the boy you're taking out on a date. But life isn't as great as you think it is when you're eight. And that kind of goes back to the, when I was eight years old, you know, I had my dad around me and I never really thought that I would have to sort of go through my teenage years and go through the rest of my, you know, adulthood, not being near him and not going through these sort of big life moments with him. Um, I came out as uh, gay when I was, um, in my junior year, shortly after he actually got deported. Oh, wow. And that was when I, I didn't, um, I wasn't able to get the courage and find the courage within me to come out at the time before he was deported. Mm -hmm. And it was only until after, you know, when I realized that life changes really quickly and things come unexpectedly. And so holding that inside me as a secret and possibly having other family members get taken away from me without expressing my true self to them mm. scared me. So that's when I kind of realized I need to come out. Wow. 
that's a lot of big stuff to go through, just one right after the other. Mm -hmm. Just to pivot a little bit here, there are nearly 650,000 people enrolled in the DACA program right now, many who are on the front lines of COVID relief efforts in healthcare and food services and other essential jobs. And then there's the conservative-leaning Supreme Court who's supposed to announce any day now a decision on what'll happen to DACA. (laughs) So has it come to the point where you and others you know are checking your phone every day for updates, kind of like people waiting for their college acceptance letters, but also not because this is an even bigger (laughs) life update? It's, It's a constant anxiety that we feel anytime I see, like whenever I'm on Twitter and I see DACA's trending, I like, my heart stops. And then I have to read what it says. And then it's usually always something like, um, no announcement soon, but like that mo- that like fear that I'm gonna read, you know, the news on my Twitter that says DACA's canceled. Mm-hmm. It's constantly like, something on the back of my mind and constantly something that, you know, keeps me up at night. Yeah. Cause once it's taken away, I have nothing. So real talk, given this really intense social political climate right now, how do you think the court is going to rule? Oh, um, I have a little bit of hope, but in reality, I, I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to think, it's hard to see because usually when a Supreme Court takes this long, it means that they're really, really, really contemplating it and I don't like to think about it because I'm just like I want to be as hopeful and as optimistic but yeah yeah this is a tough question especially because you mentioned like you don't want to think about it but if the court does decide to shut down DACA have you thought about what's next for you like do you have friends around whose house is that you know you can go to no matter what or or a community in Mexico I have I do have a support system sort of set up with my family, but in reality, if worse comes to worse, I would probably just end up having to do regular, you know, field work, like going back to working um, fruit packaging warehouse and doing other sort of jobs like, you know, many undocumented immigrants and most undocumented immigrants do. But I just feel like I have much more, you know, to offer. And even though that's like essential work, but it's mm-hmm. it's something that I I don't know. I don't think I would ever want to do for a long time because it's tough. So w- what is it that you would want to do like in in this in this world that is full of hope and the Supreme Court says, yes, DACA stays. It's going to get even better. Mm-hmm. Like what would be the dream for you? Oh, man, that would be a dream, huh? That would be that'd be amazing. But my <laughs> <laughs> my um Hopes would be to continue with my school. I took a year off um, of school to sort of figure out my path, which is what led me here to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so I would continue my schooling and majoring in political science and maybe minoring in um, journalism. Because given this opportunity, it's really... Given the story you just told. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, given this uh, yeah uh, opportunity to tell my story, it's really you know been helping me get a voice and figure out how to get that voice out there. Okay, last question, but definitely not least, what is your favorite Rihanna song? Because <laughs> mine is probably American Oxygen, but okay. I love and live for. All my friends know this. This is what you came for. Her feature. Okay, in it. those are good songs. I love those. I love Oxygen. Um, <laughs> but I would say 
mine is needed me. Mm. I'm always like cooking and I'm like, you. <laughs> I, won't, I won't try and sing it, but yeah, that's me. <laughs> My sister might not agree, but oh well. <laughs> Well, thank you for reminding me what songs to jam out to after this. And again, for sharing your story one. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Again, One Story is part of a project called 18 to 29 Now, Young America Speaks Up. And you can find more stories later this summer when the website launches. But for now, follow one on Twitter at IllegalQueer. Not that anyone asked me, but my favorite Rihanna song is definitely Higher. You know that one where it's like, You take me higher, higher than I've ever been, babe. Yeah, goes crazy. Beautiful way to end the show on a quite literal high note. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Nige, for that. And to all you listeners on your own solo adulting journeys for listening to Adultish, produced by YR Media, a national network of young artists and journalists creating content for this generation. Our thank yous today go out to our senior producer, Davey Kim, sound engineers, Carrie Campbell and Ghanadi Joe Johnson, executive producer, Rebecca Martin, all the young people at YR who made the art and music for this episode, and special shout outs to Denise I was going to tear her last name up. You got it. And special shout outs to Denise Tejada for editing Juan's story and holding it down with her kids during quarantine and giving Merck eyebrow tips. Heck yes. We love you and shouts out. Much love. Much love to you. My brows are going to look bomb at the next Zoom meeting nights. Just you wait. If you're not following us on all the socials yet, get your phone out if it's not in your hands already and do the thing at YRAdult-ish. And if you're less of a social media person, we get it. Maybe you'd just rather come to our website, adultishpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate our show with five stars on iTunes. And if you send a screenshot proof that you've done that for all of our episodes this season, me or Merck will personally mail you a thank you note along with a special treat. Uh, maybe not right away because of quarantine and social distancing, but it will happen eventually. Yeah, I went to 99 Ranch Market. I got some sweet, spicy goodies. So do that. We are also proud to be members of Radiotopia by PRX, an independent listener-supported collective of some of the shows that bring you higher <laughs> in all the podcasting. Find them at Radio. That what he said. Find them at Radiotopia.fm. Before you go, we've got some bittersweet news to share. Next week's episode is our last episode of the season, but we are bringing on a very special guest who, in my opinion, dropped one of the craziest albums of this year so far and will also give you major throwback vibes. Broken a Minute became like my friggin' song of this year. When he put it out, I was like, woo, I ain't been broken a minute. Don't get a minute. Fucking listen to kidney. Ooh, I loved it. If you don't recognize her voice yet, maybe Merck can remind you. Get out right now. It's the end of you and me. <laughs> yup, we're going to have R&B singer JoJo with us. Yes, JoJo the legend. The legend. But for right now, it's the end of the episode. <laughs> so we'll talk to y'all later. 
Man, hey, don't be surprised if the listeners say stop singing on the next episode. And me too, low-key, because I've been going off this this episode too. Yeah. But for now, bye. <laughs> Who keeps pushing the, the phone tone? Ew, I'm drooling now. Oh. My throat actually really does hurt. I was meant to speak, not sing. Radiotopia. From P.